Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Cut to the Race News Roundup Show, the weekly show covering the news, views and opinions from the F1 world. Jay and Charlotte have uh, decided to abandon me this week, but thankfully we have Emma stepping into their place. How are you? I'm fine, Dan. This is the first time I've been on your News Roundup podcast. So I'm normally on the, the Sunday podcast, but this uh, this is a rare treat. It is. Everyone, everyone knows you from the Sunday podcast, but if anyone doesn't, do you want to talk a little bit about your F1 self, favourite drivers, favourite teams? Yeah, so I am a McLaren fan, um, but my favourite driver is Daniel Ricciardo, and I have a bit of an unhealthy obsession with Daniel Ricciardo, not just because he's a great driver, but he's pretty easy on the eye as well. It's a tough season so far for me and you both with our respective drivers. I know. <laughs> it's not It's not going well. We can, we've got each other to cry to I don't know but um, yeah. <laughs> anyway moving into moving into the news um Dan Tickton has been dropped from the Williams Driver Academy uh, he's currently fourth in the F2 standings he's a pretty decent driver but he does have one big problem doesn't he he's absolutely got zero respect for anyone or anything <laughs> <laughs> bluntly put but yeah he's 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 a he's quite angry and uh he's he's not he's partial to a Contra, con, uh, he's partial to a controversial take or opinion, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And, you know, a lot of people will have the opinion that he deserves that F1 drive, which is what he has been working to throughout his career. Um, but for me, I think everything that's happened with all his controversy, he's only got himself to blame, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if you looked purely on driver credit, I think he definitely deserves to be in F1. But then his attitude kind of lets him down and it's just not worth risking someone like that in F1. No, it's definitely not. I think when you look back to some of the other sort of controversial figures in F1, I mean, people that have been very outspoken, the, the difference between them, for example, like James Hunt, Alan Prost, Ayrton Senna, 
all of those drivers were extremely talented, but they all had respect, which Dan Tictum doesn't have. Yeah, so just to talk a little bit through his uh, most controversial moments, he had quite a good karting career, uh, which was fine. He then moved into MSA Formula um, and overtook 10 cars under safety car in the penultimate round of the season to deliberately crash his rival off track, which isn't ideal if you're trying to impress yourself to F1 teams. Uh, he got a two-year ban for that, and one of which, the second year of which was suspended, providing he didn't commit any further offences, which I don't know how he was meant to do if he was banned for the year anyway. But whatever, that's the FIA being the FIA, or whoever banned him. Would it be the FIA in junior formula? Yeah, because it is, it is an it is FIA still... junior formula, yeah. Yeah, oh, right. It been. Yeah, he came back in 2016, did decently, got on the Red Bull driver programme, and then didn't do very well in his respective, respective series, so got kicked off the Red Bull driver programme, supposedly due to poor performance, but... An insider that we know at Red Bull has said it's for arrogance and attitude, which wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise you? No, it really wouldn't. Just no. from, from recent events, it really wouldn't. He's got a really poor attitude. And you can tell, I, I know he does a lot of like live streaming. Um, and when you listen to him on his live streams, you, you just know he's got such a poor attitude towards the sport, which really surprises me given that he does have some really great talent, but he makes really stupid mistakes and I don't think he thinks them through before <laughs> he actually attempts them. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a little bit about his Twitch streams in a minute. He's in F2 now, been there since 2020, uh, first for Dams, now for Carlin. He's a bit hmm, fruitful over the radio, should we say, some of his comments. And I know a couple of races ago, his engineer literally begged him not to say something that he'd regret after he got kicked out, of uh, after he got crashed out of a race. It's just you can't risk it, can you? Williams cannot risk that in F1 and their name going downhill. No, he is a liability, especially over team radio. Um, but I just think, well, William, it's taken Williams quite a while to sort of not see sense, but to sort of realise that if, if they brought him in to an F1 drive, that he would be a liability not just on track, but like the fans just don't really get on with them. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not a fan favourite. I mean, even at Silverstone, you know, he's, I don't know if he's the only British driver in the F2 field. I'm, I'm sure I'm probably wrong there, but he's definitely the highest up in the F2 field. And he just wasn't very well received by the fans there. No one was really clapping him or anything. You know, Schwartzman got more cheers when, you know, he's Russian. Yeah. So it was, it's, yeah, it's so much about personality. And then Emma mentioned his Twitch streams. He had one the other day, which was supposedly after he'd been sacked by Williams, where he called Latifi Pooh to the tune of What's New Scooby-Doo, which is a great song, but not when you decide to insult your potential future teammate in it. It's not the best idea. I mean, I, I'm not Latifi's biggest fan, but that just shows how the, the, like, the lack of respect that Tictum has for, even for Formula One. Latifi's a Formula One driver. Whether anyone agrees that he, he deserves that seat or not, he is still a Formula One driver, and that just shows that he has zero respect for anyone in Formula One. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal on his part at all. And he was implying Latifi's a paid driver. Well, I mean, he's not wrong in that sense, but you don't say it yeah. on Twitch. You know, if you no. if you really want a seat, <laughs> it's probably not a good idea to insult the person that's currently in the seat. Exactly, but, uh, and uh, you know, Williams have said that you know they, they don't necessarily need need the funds anymore, which is a little bit of a clue as to what might happen next year. But even still, I, Dan Tiptum is just an idiot for what he's been saying on his live streams. You know, he's only got himself to blame. 
and he's, he's only just realised that he's, he's not going to have a career in Formula One. And it's such a shame as well, because he is actually a really talented driver. If you yeah. purely took his personality out yeah. of it, his actual driving abilities are really good. But if he just, just reined himself in, if he just yeah. reined himself in with, with the comments that he made and to actually, you know, think about what he was doing before opening his mouth, then more teams might have actually considered him for an F1 drive. Yeah, probably, probably. So we know he's not getting the Williams seat. Who do you think is going to get that Williams seat? We've had Jane Charlotte's opinion on this. Obviously, the whole Mercedes-Williams saga. Everyone knows who I want. Who do you think will be at Mercedes <laughs> and who do you think will be at Williams next year? Uh, okay, so I think at Mercedes next year will be Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. Oh. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to like this, but that that is a, that is what I what I think. Um Bottas will get the seat if he actually pulls his finger out of the second half of the season. Do you think it's too little too late for Bottas? Or do you think there's still a chance that he can prove himself to Total before he makes a decision? I think there's still a chance that he can prove himself. Um, but it needs to happen. It needs to happen when we get to Spa. Like, it really, really does. Like, he needs to come back with that fighting spirit. And he really needs to start fighting for his seat. But I think if if he has a bad race in Spa or he bottles it in Spa, I think that's game over. <laughs> I sent a message in our live race chat um, about probably, I don't know, 20 seconds before lights out saying this race decides Bottas' future. And then literally 20 <laughs> seconds later, he's taken out half the field. And I was like, oh, no, why have you done this? But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really hope he stays at Mercedes. Obviously, I think he should stay at Mercedes. But if George Russell gets that Mercedes seat, what driver lineup do you want to see at Williams? Well, the driver lineup I want to see at Williams um, is Jack Aitken and Jamie Chadwick. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but who, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. Who that's, do you that's think what... we'll see at Williams? Because um, as I... much as Jamie Chadwick would be great, I think it's a bit early to be seeing I, that. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, I completely agree. But that's that's in my heart. That's who I want in in those seats. Um, you know, I think out of who Williams could potentially put in that seat, I think those two are probably the two strongest. But I, I think I do think it's a bit early for Jimmy Chadwick, but that's what my heart says. However, I still think that we'll see Jack Aitken in that in that seat. Really? Yeah. I don't I don't think Bottas will go back to Williams. If he loses the Mercedes seat, I don't think he's gonna go back to Williams. Do you think he'll go to Alfa Romeo? It'll either be Alfa Romeo or he'll leave F1. Ah, you see, I'm the opposite. I think it's Williams or he'll leave F1. Do I can't you? see him going Alfa Romeo. Oh, what a great sport. What other sport you can you, can you have all this chat about? And neither of you could be right. <laughs> Brilliant. It's great. It's all a guessing game. It's all a guessing exactly. game. Exactly. Jack, Jack, uh, and mentioning Jack Aitken, we're glad to see that he's doing well after his uh, crash at the 24 Hours of Spa. That was horrible. And I mentioned this on Sunday. A crash where a broken collarbone and fractured vertebrae is a good outcome shows just how bad that could have been. That could have been terrible yeah and it just shows how resilient some of these drivers are i mean that is 
if, if that injury happened to any of us, we'd be like dying. <laughs> just be like, oh my God. But he is, he is such a superhero and it, yeah, it just shows like how resilient some of these drivers are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to the next news topic, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen and possibly some other drivers are all at risk of an engine penalty in Spa, which I think Bottas has pulled a 5,000 IQ move here. He's taken out both Red Bulls and a Ferrari, everyone around him in the championship, but he's taken them out so badly that they also have to take an engine penalty. So his grid penalty is not too bad. So he could still end up on the front row here. But this is Red Bull are not going to be happy about this, are they? No, they're, they're going to kick up another stink about this, definitely. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, in their eyes, maybe not necessarily any of ours, but in their eyes, uh, none of this is their fault. And... You know they're going to be thinking, well, why should we be taking these engine penalties when you know this? You know, they they had they had a, a cracked power unit um, in Hungary, which is why they had to switch switch the engine initially, and they didn't get a penalty for that because it was deemed as accidental damage. Um, but there is a chance that they could sustain another penalty. But you know it. It's just one of them things. Them's the rules. Them's the rules, and you've got to obey them. But Bottas has a five-place grid penalty. If, say, Verstappen, Perez and Leclerc take an engine penalty, who starts further back? Because they're the same number of places grid penalty, aren't they? Yes. So what they do is they, they action the first penalty first. So the, the penalty that they handed out first, they will drop them first and then they will drop the next one and then the next one so that it, it could literally... Bottas could end up making quite good. back up the order. So, That's quite good. As you say, it could actually work out really well for them. Yes. But whatever, whatever penalty they hand out first, that's the one that they'll sort of drop first. And then oh. the next penalty they'll drop second. They Imagine the scenes. Lewis starts on pole and Bottas still ends up on the front row despite a five-place grid penalty. Guarantee Red Bull will protest that as well. Oh, Red Bull will protest if Bottas was... <laughs> Red Bull will protest if Bottas had like crashed on his own into the tyre barrier. God knows, they'd protest literally anything they can. Yeah. Um, and on that note, Ferrari and Red Bull, as a result of this, have said that they think the team that caused the damage on their respective cars should pay for the damage. Do you agree with that? No, because no. I actually think... Neither do no, I. I don't, I don't agree with that because I think... I mean, obviously, the stewards have deemed Hamilton at fault for the Silverstone incident. But I thought it was a racing incident. So did I. And the Bottas incident, I hate to say it, but even though it was Bottas that caused the collision, he was just, he, he locked up his wheels and he braked a little bit too late. And I, I'd still, you, yeah, it's a difficult one for me because I do think he was at fault, but only just. I just think it was it was a difficult race to start because the, the track was damp. Um, He just locked up the tyres and then he just crashed. I, I I don't think you can, like, expect Mercedes to pay for that damage. I'm not sure how here, but you've just defended Bottas more than I did on the race review show. I said it was more his <laughs> fault. I said it was more his fault than you're making it out to be. Oh, no. But, do you know, to be honest, I, I mean, I don't hate Bottas. I just, I just think they're, you know, it's time for them to leave Mercedes. That's all. <laughs> but I don't... <laughs> In this instance, yes, I am defending him. I just think it was just, 
just one of them things. It just was a of... tiny little mistake, wasn't it? It just had yeah. massive consequences. It, it, could, it literally could have happened to anyone. Literally could have happened to anyone. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, Mercedes messed up then at the restart and Hamilton fell to the back of the grid. But at that point where he was the only one lining up, that had worked amazingly for Mercedes because both Red Bulls were, well, one was retired and Max was like nearly last. They yeah. <laughs> uh, it actually worked really well for Bottas and he's made them all take engine penalties now. Surely he deserves a contract. <laughs> Just saying. What a, what a team player he is. Wingman of the year. Wingman of the year 2021. They should add that to the, auto, <laughs> they should add that to the Autosport Awards. Um, anyway, Nico Hulkenberg has spoken to a couple of IndyCar teams for 2022. He's reportedly also spoken with Williams regarding a race seat there, but I think that's unlikely. I don't know. Where do you think he'll end up? I think he'll end up in IndyCar because I just think his time in F1 is done. I don't think he'll return to F1 unless, you know, there's something spectacular that happens and there's no free drivers. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I think he'll end up in IndyCar. I think he'd be great in IndyCar. I think that he I just want him to get an F1 podium. Like, please, can he just have one more season? Just one. I think think we just have to accept that that's never going to happen now. Just put him in any car. Surely he'd get a podium. (laughs) Like, even a Williams is running in the podium positions in the last race. (laughs) I just, I feel so bad for him. I do as well, because he's got, he's, he's, such a consistent driver in F1 and he had the personality. The fans absolutely loved him. And it was just such a shame that he left F1 when he did. But I think if he was to come back to F1, I think the opportunity's gone. There too, there's too many drivers switching places um, at the moment. And, you know, driver market's still up in the air. I don't think any team would want to bring him back. Even Do you though think... he is really experienced. Do you think Alfa Romeo would go for him? If... Bottas doesn't go there and Kimi retires because they've said they want someone experienced. So they could possibly be thinking about it at the moment, but it's where Hulkenberg's heads at as well. I mean, I know he wants to return to F one, but to be honest, if he's got an opportunity for a full time drive in IndyCar, that I think that would be fantastic for him. Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely be more competitive in IndyCar yeah. than he would be in whatever F one seat he gets. It's whether the yeah. The draw of F1 is pulling him in more than IndyCar, which I can see why it would. But, you know, even Grosjean, he was like, when he... Did he win an IndyCar or got on the podium? He did one of the two and he was like, I really miss this feeling. Which yeah. you can understand, you know, being at the back of the field for so long like he was. But... Yeah, Grosjean, absolutely. He he now fits into IndyCar. Like, it, that's... You can see he's making it his home now, which is absolutely great to great to watch. I mean, I don't really watch IndyCar that much, but I think if Hulkenberg got an IndyCar seat, I think I'd start watching it a bit more because at the moment I Ooh. I don't really watch IndyCar. Not even because of Grosjean. I have and I haven't. If I like, I've put it on and I've I've watched about. I've fallen asleep after a while, but I think, <laughs> I think if um if Hulkenberg was on the grid and you you know I think because I'm a big a big fan of Hulkenberg's like I think I would definitely definitely watch a bit more of it just to throw a left field name in the ring as well um what do you think about Nick DeFries and the Williams rumors regarding Nick DeFries he's leading the F- the Formula E championship do you think that's at all possible I think it is I Ooh. think it is and do you know what I think that it's a great shout for Williams to bring in a Formula E driver into Formula One why do you say that for- because Formula E is supposed to be setting an example. It is not electric championship. It is supposed to be setting an example. It's where Formula One could possibly 
go. It's not ended up that way. That's true. Formula One, that's, you know, it, that's what Formula E was set out to do and it's not ended up that way. Why? I don't know. I mean, we did talk to Sam Bird about it. We had a few ideas floating in the air, but I just think that taking a Formula E driver and putting them into Formula One, I think that's a great shout. Do you think he's a little bit old? I mean, he's not old by any means. He's 26. But do you think that's a bit old for a rookie? Yes and no. I think it is for Formula One because most of the rookies that are coming in are in their teens, sort of early 20s. Um, But I think if he does come into F1, he'll be with Williams for a couple of seasons and then that'll be it. Oh, you don't think he'll move up the grid at all? I don't think so. What, what if don't. he puts in like George Russell performances and he's constantly outperforming the car on Saturday? If he does that, then it's a possibility. But <laughs> I, I don't know because obviously, I, we, you know, it's it's never happened. A Formula E driver has never taken the jump into Formula One. It's always been vice versa. Formula E has been seen as kind of the graveyard of where ex-F1 drivers go to end their careers. And it's kind of sad because... You want to see Formula E driver. You want to have Formula E as a feeder series into Formula One. Um, so if Nick De Vries gets that opportunity, I think it's a fantastic opportunity, and it just shows that they are looking at Formula E drivers. And Formula E just isn't. It's not seen as this, you know, non-competitive sport anymore. You know, do you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to explain, but I think if Nick De Vries gets an opportunity for in Williams. That would be a brilliant opportunity for him. I mean, he's not a bad driver by any means. You know, he won F2 and that takes some skill when they're all in the same car, give or take a couple of seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd quite like to see him. But then I know that seeing him would mean that Bottas wouldn't be in F1. So (laughs) I can't say that I want to see him with my whole heart. But I would like to see him a little bit, just just like a teeny little bit. Alongside Bottas, maybe. But not instead like of Bottas. And Bottas. I quite like Latifi as well. This is this is tricky. It is very <laughs> tricky, isn't it? This is it? a tricky moral decision <laughs> that I'm never going to have to make. Um, right, moving on to the final news item. We were speaking a little bit about this on the Sunday Review Show, but we stopped recording before the final result was announced. And that was that Sebastian Vettel was disqualified from P2 for not having enough fuel in the car. I think every single person was gutted for Seb. But what exactly did he do wrong? Because I know some people are a little bit confused. Okay, so it's it's hard to determine who was actually at fault here, whether it was Sebastian Vettel as the driver or whether it was Aston Martin, the team. So every Formula One car starts with a certain amount of fuel. And at the end of the race, they must have one litre of fuel left in the fuel tank uh, so that it can be inspected. They weren't able to extract that fuel from the car. Now, when I say that carefully, because Aston Martin claimed that from the data, there was enough fuel. There was 1.44 litres of fuel. They've protested it, the haven't they? And they've protested it. But the, the reason that they couldn't get it out of the tank, they said there was um, a fuel pump, like a fuel flow pump problem. They couldn't actually extract the fuel from the car. But the data said that the fuel was there. They had asked Sebastian to stop the car out on the track. Because you've got to understand, he was fighting for he was fighting for a win. He was fighting um, Esteban Ocon for a win. So mm. he was behind Ocon in the dirty air, really fighting, really pushing that car hard. So he was using up a bit more fuel than what he really should have been. So 
a lot of people are thinking, well, is it Seb's fault for driving too hard or is it the team's fault for not telling him, like, mate, you're using too much fuel, we need to kind of back off? The team, the team did come over the radio halfway through and warn him about, about fuel and they told him to go into some setting to save yeah. fuel. But you, a racing driver isn't going to want to accept that the win is lost just to save fuel. That's not in his instincts. His instincts is to win the race and then deal with the consequences after it. Maybe yeah. Seb just took it a bit too far. I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, he's he's in a he's in a car that is starting to become a little bit more competitive. It was nowhere near that at the beginning of the season, but Seb's been able to get quite a lot out of this car, and he was fighting for a win. As you say, no race driver is going to accept that they have to save fuel. That's not what they're on the track to do. They're there to race. They should be expected to use what they need to be able to fight for position. But yeah, Aston Martin have, um, they, they did come over team radio and sort of warn him and they changed the setting. But, you know, at the end of the race, they asked him to stop the car um, and they couldn't extract the fuel that was there. So that's why he was disqualified. Thank God Seb didn't win. Imagine Seb wins the race and then gets disqualified. It would have been Canada 2019 all over again, but about 50 times worse. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to think about what possibly could have happened there. Um, anything else that you want to mention from Hungary at all? Anything else that stood out to you that's worth chatting about? It was one of the most exciting races this year. I've got to say, I was at a wedding on Sunday, so I didn't watch it live. Yet again, Bottas produced the excitement, therefore he should have the Mercedes seat. <laughs> but for the wrong reasons, Dan, for the wrong reasons. Let's, let's not get bogged down with facts. You know, he produced the excitement. But yeah, I, I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. And um, when I jumped back into our group chat, when I was about to watch the race, um, I remember Matt said to me, buckle up, sis, you're in for a wild ride. And it was just amazing. We, you know, myself and my, we were just sat on the edge of our seats going, oh my God, there's Hamilton. He's literally on the grid by himself. Where is everyone? Oh my God, Bottas, what's going on? It was just, it was just such a great race. It was one of the most exciting races this year. It makes me laugh thinking how, you know, Bottas went into everyone at the first corner and everyone across the country was like, oh my God, and all this dramatic. And I was just on my sofa like, no, like rocking back and forth <laughs> in like a sad child motion. I was gutted. Mostly, crying, mostly because of the message I'd sent before. I, well, I wasn't quite crying. No, I was, <laughs> I was, I was just, you know, wearing a Bottas t-shirt with sorrow for, for the rest of that race. Bless him. It's the first time he's ever retired on the first lap of his career. So it's not like he does it often. It just happened no, in the most true. important race ever for him. But yeah. never mind. Never mind. If you follow us on social media, uh, you would have seen that we are starting a new quiz segment where a fan comes up against one of the Formula nerds. Uh, this week, we are joined by a good friend of mine. We're joined by Rudy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How about yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. You still all right, Emma? Yes, fine, fine. Good, good. It's only been about five minutes, but due to the power of editing, it sounds seamless as ever to you to you guys listening along. Um, Rudy, who's your favourite drivers, favourite teams? Tell everyone a little bit about you. Um... I'd say Max and Red Bull are definitely my favourite, closely followed by Lando and McLaren. Yeah, that's about it for favourites, I'd say. <laughs> nice. Do you have a favourite track? Uh, I quite like Austria. Oh. Is uh, that just because it's the home of Red Bull? No, it's easy on the game. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's easy, on F1, <laughs> it's easy on F1 2020 or 2021, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my reason for it. 
All right, so just so the listeners know, myself and Rudy are going to be asked 15 questions by Emma. We're then going to go through the answers once we've done all 15. So make sure you play along at home, see how many you get right, because you could come on this podcast, obviously. Just go to Formula Nerds Twitter, Formula Nerds Facebook, and there's instructions as to what to do if you want to play against one of us one week. It might be me one week, it'll be Emma one week, it'll be Charlotte one week, it'll be Jay one week. Whoever's on the podcast, you'll play against someone. So, uh, right, I think we're ready. Let's get started. 15 questions, play along at home. Emma, fire away. Amazing. So, question number one. Who was the first ever Formula One world champion? I'm just loving Rudy's face. (laughs) (laughs) Both of you just went, what? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, We need um, multiple choice. Uh, (laughs) Oh, why make it easy? No, no, we got got to push through. Push through. I think I can name the first race winner, but is he the first world champion? concentration yeah we're constant concentrating concentrating along all right question two okay question two brazilian driver rubens barrichello broke an f1 record at the 2008 turkish grand prix what was it dan's looking at me like you've made these questions way too hard them <laughs> I, I, I said make them easy um can you repeat the question please Brazilian driver Rubens Barrichello broke an F1 record at the 2008 Turkish Grand Prix. What was it? I promise they're not all hard. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. All right. (laughs) Question (laughs) three. three. British racing driver George Russell made his F1 debut at which Grand Prix? Oh, I know this one. I'm thinking, yes, I've got a point. Bit ashamed it's to do with George Russell, and I know it, but it's fine. <laughs> we, we move. I don't even know why you dislike him so much. <laughs> I mean... It's because, it's because he's going to take Bottas to the seat next year, that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's why. Because he's yeah. better than Bottas. Yeah. Ow. But then, like, everyone is. So. <laughs> right, you're not coming back. Right, question four. <laughs> question four. Which driver holds the longest streak of consecutive wins? Oh, I do know this one. Oh. I hope. I'm just going to name a driver. Right. Okay, question five. Which British Grand Prix track was last used for races in 1986? Last used for F1 races or last used for... Yeah. Last used for F1 races. Just name a circuit and hope for the best, I think, on this one. <laughs> Got okay, it. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Question six. Bernie Eccleston was best known in F1 for being a very rich man who made some very important decisions. But which F1 team did he buy in 1971 to begin his reign of power? Did he buy? Yeah. I know he was team principal. Oh. He was team principal, but he also bought the team that he was team principal of. It can't be what I'm thinking. Oh, do you know what? I'm just going to write it down. Yeah, I'm just going to guess. I have no idea. All the listeners at home are probably thinking that we're both stupid. And you're right. So Yeah, these are probably really easy. 
tag us on social media with your scores, by the way, and we'll uh, we'll see how you did compared to us. Which, <laughs> at the rate it's going at the moment, it's probably a lot better. <laughs> okay, question seven. How many times did Ayrton Senna win his home GP in Brazil? One, two, three, four. I don't know. Do you know, really? No. I think it's either a lot or not many at all. That's that really clue. and narrows That's it down. That's a good clue. <laughs> I know. All right, question eight. What country appeared on the F1 calendar for the first time in 2005? What country, not what track, what country appeared on the F1 calendar for the first time in 2005? Is it still there now? It wasn't, but it did come back, and then it wasn't again. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a little bit of a clue. I think I've got it from that, but I could be wrong. Rudy still is confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of looked confused for the whole quiz so far. <laughs> I did say make it easy. I've been I've been scammed here. <laughs> All right, go on. Question nine. Okay, question nine. On what track can you find the Degner curve? I, I don't have a clue. No. Although... I think I... maybe. Mm, I'm using the word curve here. I'm probably overthinking this. But Emma nodded. That's a good sign. That doesn't help me in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> Think okay. of tracks with curves. <laughs> That's like all of them. Um, okay, okay. All right, go on. Question 10. Okay, question 10. Red Bull driver Sergio Perez started from the pit lane at the Bahrain Grand Prix this year, but where did he finish? It I remember he debut. pulled over on the formation lap. It was his debut for Red Bull. First race of the season. Pulled over on the formation lap, and then he went to the pit lane. I just don't know where he finished. Which no. is the only thing I need to know. I think I have a rough idea. I should know this as a Red Bull fan. You should. This this is embarrassing, really. Yeah, this, it is, is. this is what happens with most first fans. They tend to block out everybody else. Unless it's Lewis Hamilton, they don't care. Yeah. I'm right, though. I'm right. <laughs> Go on. Question 11. Okay, Ferrari finished in sixth in the standings in 2020. It was their worst result since which year? Oh, I was really hoping that wasn't going to be the end of the question. <laughs> um, okay. Was this in... I'm trying to think of the year of the event that I'm basing it on. I think it I think was it's quite year. a while ago, wasn't it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Emma's nodding along there. Yeah, oh, clue which there. means which means my answer's wrong. It was quite a while ago, and you know, to your standards, the both of you are quite young. So, <laughs> got it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Question twelve. Who suffered the most retirements of the twenty twenty season? Ooh. I think I know that one. I hope. <laughs> I feel like it's one of two that I'm uh, tied between. 
Come. Next question. Yeah. Okay. Question 13. How many drivers retired in the 2020 Tuscan Grand Prix? A lot. If you remember the, uh, yeah, if you remember the <laughs> Tuscan Grand Prix, there was, uh, there was a, a Quite huge a few. crash. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the one at Magello, wasn't it? Yeah. go with that could be more I know Russell didn't finish in the points but did Russell retire I don't know I there's no so. point in me adding them up I don't have no I say next question <laughs> taking a while if you're ready okay. question 14 what year did the Jordan team debut in Formula 1 I don't think I was born <laughs> Yeah, I, don't I, think think Rudy, I don't one. think Rudy was born either. No. I don't know. Final question. Final question. British driver David Coulthard won his 13th and final race victory at which Grand Prix? He drove for Red Bull as well, Rudy. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a video of this, I think. Oh, I haven't. I know he retired from his last ever Grand Prix. Yeah. That doesn't really help this particular question. So this was where his final race victory was. So the last time David Coulthard won a race. I don't know. <laughs> I can tell there's a lot of guessing going on here. Yeah, I've yeah. guessed that one as well. We've, we've been scammed by these questions, I think. <laughs> I'm never getting Emma to write a quiz ever again. Well, the thing is, I thought to myself, if everyone's going to play along at home, I thought I'd make it quite challenging. That's true. But That's true. Yeah, true. I needed to have some questions in there that I knew you guys would probably know. So. All right, 15 yep, questions later. One of them. Let's go through the answers and see, out of me or Rudy, if any of us have got any of them right, because I don't think we're sure on a single answer here. <laughs> no. So question one was, who was the first ever Formula One world champion? Dan. Come to you first. Well, I don't know, but I said I wrote two. I wrote down Fangio and Farina, and I'm going to say the latter. I think. Okay. Um, what did you put? I wasn't really sure, so I just guessed Fangio. The answer was Nino Farina. So oh that. yes, that oh. is one point. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I well feel like done, that's the Dan. start of a trend. <laughs> <laughs> Dan might be actually quite good at guessing, so we, we don't know. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so question two was, Brazilian driver Rubens Barrichello broke an F1 record at the 2008 Turkish Grand Prix. What was it? I'll come to Rudy first. I didn't have an answer for this one. Oh, you could have guessed I... an answer. Yeah, but I had no idea. And then we moved on to question three. So I, if, you, if you were to guess, what, yeah, would you, yeah, go on. what would you might have said? So was it, what record? Yeah, what 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 record did he break at that Grand Prix? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, Dan, what have you got? Well, I guessed most starts, but I think it was a little bit early for most starts, so I'm not sure. You are right. Oh, my. Two out of two. Rubens Barrichello. Well, it was his 257th race start 
uh, in F1. The previous record was set by Ricardo Patrese in 1993. Kimmy's broken it since, hasn't he? Yes, I would he imagine. Has. Yeah, I was going to say, he must have done. Okay, question three. British racing driver George Russell made his F1 debut at which Grand Prix? Dan, do you have an answer? I said Australia 2019. Okay. Rudy? Uh, I'm guessing it was the year before, but I don't the particular Grand Prix, so I'll say Australia 2019 as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a scam. That's correct. Yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> take, take, take the point. Take the point. Whatever. We'll give him the point. He's losing anyway, Dan. Yeah, I don't, I'm not doing too well. He can have a pity point. Thanks. Okay, question four. Which driver holds the longest streak of consecutive wins? Rudy. I think I know this one. Is it Vettel? Okay, Dan. I said I wrote Vettel. Both of you are correct. Vettel yeah. um, in 2013... Is it nine? Nine. Nine. Yeah, it's nine. Wins, yeah. Oh, damn. We, you should have done a bonus question there. We would have both got that. Okay, right. so question five. Which British Grand Prix track was last used for Formula One races in 1986? Dan, what have you got? I said Brands Hatch, so it's the most famous one I can think of apart from Silverstone. Okay, Rudy? Now that just makes me look like I'm copying because I've said that as well. <laughs> You're both correct. It I mean, it's the obvious. Hatch. It's the obvious answer, yeah. isn't it? So I can see why. It's interesting because um, Donington has never been used as a Formula One. I nearly put that racetrack, and I yeah. thought Alton Park as well. And then I thought, is that a karting mm. track? So I kind of, I don't know, but yeah, I put put Brands Hatch. Here we go. So question six: was Bernie Eccleston was best known in Formula One for being a very rich man who made some very important decisions, but. Which F1 team did he buy in 1971 to begin his rise to power? Rudy, what have you put for this? I had no idea, so I guessed Ferrari. <laughs> That's what I put. <laughs> oh, was it Ferrari? <laughs> I think he was the team principal there, wasn't he? Or am I making that up? No, you're making that up. Oh, I'm making that up. Okay, never mind then. So the team that he bought was Brabham. Oh, yeah. And okay. while he while he owned that team... They oh, I'm thinking of Jean Tot. Sorry sort of jump in there that's who I'm thinking of he was team principal of Ferrari right yeah. I'm pretty sure he was sorry I think no. so look I at no him look at Monse whatever his name is I can't pronounce it I've read it in Bernie's book so many times Montezemelo oh gosh please edit that out <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> Ferrari fans are going to hate me alright we both messed that one up yeah. Yes, she did, yeah. Question seven. How many times did Ayrton Senna win his home Grand Prix in Brazil? Rudy? Four. Okay, Dan? I put four and crossed it out because Rudy said it's either not many or not a lot. And then you, like, nodded your head. So I then put zero. Okay, it was twice. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, 1991 and... In 1993, he was racing for McLaren and he won his home Grand Prix twice. Yeah. Better than I gave him credit for. <laughs> yeah, not as impressive as I thought. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. oh. <laughs> That's half the listeners gone. Yeah. yeah. Okay, question eight. What country appeared in the F1 calendar for the first time in 2000? 
five. Dan. I said turkey. Based on the fact okay. you said it was here, then it's gone, then it's here, and then it's gone quite a lot. Okay, ready? Portugal. Ooh, that's a good guess as well. But the answer's turkey. Ah, oh, <laughs> smashing it. I think Dan's good at guessing. Dan, Dan is getting good at this. Yeah. So I kind of, we... yeah, there are a lot of clues kind of picked up on them. Yeah. I don't mind giving you guys out clues because I've made this quite hard, so. We know. Okay. <laughs> so question nine. On what track can you find the Degner Curve? Uh, was it Monza? You'll find out in a minute. Dan? That's a good guess, because I know Emma really likes Monza, so she probably included Monza somewhere in this quiz. I said uh, Zanvor purely because of the word curve, but I don't know, and it's got like a bank turn. Who knows? Well, it's it's not Monza. Oh. It's Suzuka. Damn. That's a great track. <laughs> yeah. Which one's that, then? Japan. Not as in the track. Where is that on the track? Japan. Oh, oh right now. No, 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 like... Oh, where is it on the track? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew, I knew that. I knew where it was. Um, I, I asked it with I me. don't know. Oh. I'll have to look it up. So, question 10. Red Bull driver Sergio Perez started from the pit lane at the Bahrain Grand Prix this year. But where did he finish? Dan, what did you put? I said fifth. Might have been fourth. Okay. I what guessed fourth. For? You guessed fourth. Dan, what are you going for? Fourth or fifth? Fifth. Fifth. Because that's what fifth. I put. Yeah. It was P5. Well oh done, Dan. God. Oh, what a guess. <laughs> this is horribly embarrassing. <laughs> Question 11. So Ferrari finished in sixth in the standings in 2020. It was their worst result since when, Rudy? I think this is going to be like miles off. But you said it was like ages ago, so I guess 60. Okay. That is Dan. ages ago. Yeah. I went down a different route completely, and I just know that they got caught out really badly by the regulation changes. So I said 2014, but that could be completely wrong as well. Yeah, that is completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't sugarcoat it or anything. <laughs> you know me, I'm blunt. So uh, it was actually 1980. Oh, uh, you were close. I I thought for you guys that's probably a long time. That's before I was born, so I mean I'm 36. I suppose so it is quite a while. That is that is quite a while ago. Okay, question 12. Who suffered the most retirements of the 2020 season? So Rudy, who did you put this? Was it Max? Dan. Or did it just feel like a lot? I said Kevin Magnuson. I spelt it horribly, but I did say Kevin Magnuson. But I was debating between him and Grosjean, but I went with K Meg. I've got to hand it to you, Dan. This is getting quite impressive. You are right. Oh. Honestly, Kevin Magnussen had six retirements and Russell and Leclerc had four each. Mm. And Stroll and Verstappen uh, had five each. So oh. you were close, Rudy. Really. Oh, you were close. I was close. Yeah. So, Dan, this is, you're getting very good at this. I don't think I'm going to need my tiebreaker question. No. <laughs> Sadly not. Okay, so question 13. How many drivers retired in the 2020 Tuscan Grand Prix? Rudy? Was it six? Okay, Dan. I said eight, because there was a crash at the start and the safety car crash. The answer was eight. 
Oh. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Are you sure you're not cheating, Dan? Have you got your phone on you? No, there's nothing on my desk. Oh my god, Dan. I can assure you. Just my pad of paper and a pen and a cup of tea. It's the tea that's fueling you. Yeah, yeah. clearly. Okay, question 14. What year did Jordan debut in F1? Dan, what year did you put? I had no idea, so I just said 2003, because that's when I was born. 2000... <laughs> what? It was way before then. I don't know, I just guessed. <laughs> I hope. Rudy, what did you put? Was it 1970? Well, that's way too early. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the answer was 1991. Oh. Oh. Well, at least Dan didn't get it. <laughs> so, I mean. Question 15, the final question. British driver David Coulthard won his 13th and final race victory at which Grand Prix? Rudy, what did you put? Uh, I feel like this is like his last one, but not his last win, but I just went for it anyways. Was it Monaco? Or is that completely miles off? You'll find out in a minute. I don't know. You'll find yeah, out. I will. Dan? Dan, oh, I, I didn't have a clue. I just said Spain. <laughs> his his final victory was the Australian Grand Prix oh. in 2003. I know it's wow. not... Well, it, it might be relevant. I don't know. We haven't added them up yet. But what was the tiebreaker question? Just yeah, I'm in curious case, as well. in case we, curious to know. Yeah, in case it got to it. It was going to be the closest wins. Oh. But it was how many races... Has Ralph Schumacher won? That was the tiebreaker. That's the wrong question. Schumacher. That's um, like impossible. <laughs> Three. <laughs> well, I was going to give the, the you know the winning point, shall we say, to the closest. Uh, what are you saying, Rudy? Right. Didn't... Three. He hasn't got many, has he? I'll say four. No. Oh. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, the answer was six, so Dan would have got the point. <laughs> I give up. I need to add up my score. <laughs> I've been calculating them as I've been going, Dan, so... Oh, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, dear. Rudy has three points. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Dan has eight points. Oh, dear. Woo. Well done, Washing Dan. Defeat. You are the winner of the very first Formula Nerds quiz. Thank you very much. That means I can keep hosting the podcast, right? Yeah, that's your point. Yeah, I don't just you. <laughs> I'm just going to write Rudy's score down so we can compare it when we have future people on to see if they can beat it, which they should. Yeah, probably. Um, there's no there's no nice way of saying that, Rudy. Um, if you were playing along at home, let us know what you got uh, by tagging us on all social medias. Just say if you got more than nine, more than three, more, less than nine, less than three. Who knows, you might have got 15 out of 15, in which case that is very impressive. Yeah. I did make these questions hard. They, they, were, they, were, they were hard. They were quite tricky. Thank you very much, Rudy, for coming along. And you tried. You tried. I tried my best. Tried your best. It's worth, it's yes, worth trying your best. It is. Thank you for having me. Oh, I haven't left yet. That's all. Nope. <laughs> We've just looked back at the quiz scores and Emma has tried to con me of a mark. I actually got 9 out of 15, just so the listeners know. So if you can beat 9 out of 15... Let us know on Formula Nerd social media. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you want to find any more news in the week at all, where should they go? www.formulanerds.com where you'll find lots of latest news, features and opinions. 
Absolutely. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on the website. Please give the podcast five stars. It really helps us out. Who knows what panel we're going to have next week. Could be Jay, could be Charlotte, could be a different news writer, could be Emma. But thank you very much for listening. See everyone next week. Goodbye. Bye. Podcast Network.